Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about reviews. Reviews have become ubiquitous in fly fishing and in the rest of our lives, and they are really how we make informed decisions on what we are going to do with our hard-earned money. Specifically, when it comes to fly fishing, what we are going to do with our hard-earned money as it relates to how we are going to try to pursue fish. But before I get to that, I just wanted to mention that in a few weeks, we're going to have another one of the Accusations podcasts. These are my opportunities to interact with your, the listener's, feedback, as well as those who read castingacross.com. So if you have any questions, if you have any comments, or if you have an accusation, don't hesitate to reach out. Matthew at castingacross.com, Matthew at castingacross.com, and I'd be happy to hear from you. And even if your uh, email or your comment doesn't make it onto the podcast, it uh, will get responded to, as long as my spam filters don't uh, see you as a threat. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about reviews. What is a review? Well, this is very simple, but I think it's important to define our terms. It's any time that you read someone else's opinion on something. It could be a service, a lodge visit, or a guided trip, or it could be a product, a fly rod, or a fly. Yes, there are reviews on flies, and actually they're important to read. You don't want to spend money, not necessarily $250 on one fly, but a couple hundred bucks on lots of flies, and find out that they are poorly tied or they use poor components. I'm coming at this really from from two sides. Uh, On one side, I'm constantly reading reviews 
for fun. And that might sound like the nerdiest fly fishing thing in the world, but I really enjoy a good review. Uh, I really, in fact, enjoy a good written review and a good video review. There are some brands out there, some fly shops that do video reviews that are just fantastic. And, and I see them as uh, doing a great service to the fly fishing industry. They are generally positive. They offer good information. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But I'm also somebody who reviews products. Since Casting Across was founded back in 2015, I guess. Yeah, 2015. We're coming up on eight years this fall. Um, I've had the opportunity to review a number of products. And I've reviewed things that are new and I've reviewed things that are old. And I'll talk about that here at the end of the uh, the podcast because I do think that uh, the the nature of the product and how you come to acquire it uh, can have an, an impact on how a review is is given. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. But when it comes to a review, what do you need to pay attention to? The first thing that I talk about when I write a review and when I think look for as I'm reading a review is general performance. Does it work? Does it do what it is supposed to do well? Does it work? Now, again, you're going to really not have to worry about the, a fly rod working or not, especially if it is made by a major manufacturer, if it is a, you know assembled appropriately, you're not going to have to ask that question, is this fly rod going to cast? So that's not really what we're looking at. But I think it is important to notice that when you are looking at more budget-minded options, particularly if you get on Amazon or you get onto another website where they're importing gear that might not have a major manufacturer's label attached to it, it is worth looking at the reviews to see if this is going to actually function or not. But by and large, the general performance, does it work? Does it do what it's supposed to do? well is what you are kind of looking for. And that is, you're going to know that know that right off the bat when you are reading a review or when you are talking to somebody about a product. But then the most helpful thing, and I would say what makes the, a, a good review uh, separated from a bad review or something that is simply uh, copying and pasting what you find on, on a website. And actually, let me, let me take um, a little bit of an excursus here. Uh, Everything I review on Casting Across is stuff I touch, stuff I use, stuff I, stuff I have time with. Well, again, we'll talk about like the extent of that time here in a moment. But uh, I know from from firsthand experience that there is a number of websites that that are prolific in their production of content, and all that they do to quote review products is essentially copy and paste the description of that product uh, from the uh, manufacturer's website. Now, to be fair, there is some value in that because they are reviewing multiple products and in doing so, reviewing theirs in air quotes, it's very hard to communicate air quotes over, over podcasts. But what they are doing is they're taking, uh, you know, a, say a reel from Lampson, a reel from Bauer, a reel from uh, Abel, a reel from Orvis, and they are, quote, reviewing them. But really all they're doing is they're putting their specs next to each other. Now, there is a little bit of benefit in that, but it's not necessarily a review. So, um, you know, what you're missing out on there is you're missing out on having a scenario presented to you. So a great example would be, all right, so I give a reel from Reddington. Now, I could just list out the specs for the, um, the Grande, for example, this, this large game reel. 
and say, this is how big it is. This is its uh, diameter. These are, this is its weight. This is how much backing it holds. And that's helpful. But with, you know, probably uh, less work, you could go to Reddington's website and read that information about that reel. But what I would like to share would be, okay, so I like using this for saltwater. I like using this for stripers in the surf. I like using this on a day when I'm not going to be casting all day long because it is a little bit of a heavier reel. I'm not necessarily saying that's what, what the situation with the Granda is, but being able to paint a picture of a scenario of how I use it. And then what I will do sometimes is say, these are some similar situations you might find yourself in where a reel like this would be helpful for you because of its price point and because of its backing capacity. This would be a great reel for somebody who is chasing carp. This would be a great reel for somebody who goes down to uh, the Keys a few times a year to, to chase uh, um, saltwater fish down there. Something like that, where I present my scenario and then I maybe give you a couple of hypothetical scenarios that I could see this being useful for. And then what that gives you the opportunity to do, whether you're reading my review or someone else's review, is hopefully you can say, okay, this kind of lines up with what I am looking to do, what I'm, I'm looking to get out of this product. So general performance is baseline. All those specs, which we'll talk about again here in a second, are good. But again, that's stuff that you can find on the manufacturer website, no problem. Having a scenario presented to you, I think is what really separates a good reel or a good reel, a good review from a mediocre or a bad review. Uh, the next thing I would say would be having a comparison with other products. Now, when I do reviews, I like to be very positive. And this isn't because there's not products out there that I don't like. There's products that I have had bad experiences with. But my ethos, my approach is not to bash other products. It's not to bash uh, manufacturers. It's not to bash engineers, designers, labels, and marketing campaigns. That's I just don't want to do that. Um, if something was really super offensive, I very well may do it, but I've not encountered that, or at least if I have, I have not chosen to take to uh, the internet to tell other people about it. But what I do think is important is to compare products and say, this one is a light, little lighter than that one. This one uh, has a little bit more drag than the other one. This model has improved over the previous model in this way and that way. Um, a good example would be, uh, again, going back to the Reddington uh, well, um, I have the last two generations of butter sticks, and in, which is their fiberglass fly rod. And I was able to make comparisons between the third generation butter stick and the second generation butter stick because I have ex significant experience with both of them. Um, I was able to do the same thing with a couple of uh, fly line uh, manufacturers lately where I said, you know, this was their previous model. They made a couple of improvements and this is what the new model uh, looks like. These are some of the technologies they've implemented. This is where I feel like it is definitely beneficial. But the question is, is it beneficial to justify the 30% uh, price hike? So having that comparison is really, really helpful. Where you see this done to a extreme level, and it's really, really helpful, is uh, on some of these uh, shootouts. So there's a couple of, of um, companies do, that do this. There's uh, one Montana Fly Shop that does this. There's one Maine Fly Shop that does this. And there's a, probably a couple other ones out there. Um, but you'll see it with like five weight rods 
eight weight rods, uh, trout reels, saltwater reels, kind of the, the general um, uh, ranges of these shootouts. And what they do is they take all of the major manufacturers. Sometimes it's the products that they carry in their shop. Sometimes they reach out to all the manufacturers because these articles have a wide enough distribution. Um, most of the major brands do opt in to send in, you know, their, their gear to be tested. And the comparison now is virtually all major major manufacturers and some kind of outliers uh, get their their products thrown in the ring, uh, lined up with one another, and you get to see statistically how they perform. And what another great thing is that these articles will often integrate as well the reviewers' opinions on how these perform. So the statistics might say one thing, but then they say, you know, in hand, the swing weight of this fly rod is did not feel as heavy as the statistics bore out. Um, and that might be because of the overall weight of the rod. It might be because of the action of the rod. Um, and so although the statistics say it does one thing, uh, in hand, it feels like this. So I, I would say that this actually should rate a little bit better um, just by experience. So that's one of the the benefits that you get from one of these shootout style review articles. And there's they're all over the place, and I will let you go out and, and find those uh, on, on your own. But that leads me to the next thing, empirical data. So empirical data is very helpful, especially if you are trying to find something that falls in that median range, or if you are a really bent on having a drag that can stop a freight train. If you're really bent on having the lightest fly rod for trout that's out there, if you uh, really want uh, a very, very crisp action, so you want that recovery speed on that fly rod action to be top notch. I hopefully you're hearing that and you're saying, you know what, those things all sound interesting, but that's not what I'm looking for when I'm actually buying a piece of gear. I want it to work. I want it to feel good in my hand and I want it to function well for the price that I am buying it for. This is where I think empirical data is helpful, but to a point. Um, going back to those shootout articles, I think they're great. I read them as soon as they come out because I'm always interested to see how the new products kind of line up with what has been seen as the industry standard, particularly when it comes to rods and reels over the course of the last few years. So whenever one of these comes out, I look at them and I look at the data and they do a great job of analyzing the data in a dozen or 20 different categories. And you think, how can there be that many categories when it comes to, uh, you know, taking a, a pair of calipers to a reel or putting a fly rod in front of a, a stop motion camera? And they find ways to do it. Some of them are interesting. Some of them I have to go and actually do a little bit of research to figure out what, what they mean. Uh, and this data is helpful because it, it shows you, okay, where does this reel fall uh, in the bell curve of the highest performing in these categories and the lowest performing in these categories? And is its position in, in a number of these categories that it's being rated on, uh, is, it, is it in the right place uh, corresponding to the price tag? And I think that is a really interesting thing to look at. And it's a another thing where I've I've grabbed some of the lower end gear and said, you know what, I I'm having a lot of fun with this. It's working great. Uh, again, I'm not on the water 300 days a year, but it's performing pretty stinking well. I wonder how much better something in that mid range and that high range is. And you say you you get one of those things. And you say, wow, this actually does justify another hundred dollars in a price tag. 
in some other case, you say, you know what, it doesn't justify another couple hundred dollars in the price tag. So that's where the empirical data is helpful, especially if you're trying to go to a fly shop and say, which rod should I cast? These three look interesting because they seem so similar to one another in all of these data categories. Now, again, those are the things that you can probably also get to a certain degree from a website of a manufacturer. They're going to give you those specs. How heavy is a reel? I think that's really important. You don't want something that is going to poorly balance with your with your fly rod. Um, they, some manufacturers are going to give you some of the other specs when it comes to that rod and how it casts, maybe even its taper and, and some of those dimensions. But the empirical information is helpful. Of course, all of this is moot if you have a budget. So this would be the, uh, the the fifth thing. So the first thing is general performance. Second thing is the scenario of that product. Can you see yourself using it for what you want to use it for? The third thing is the comparison with other products. Fourth thing is the empirical data. And then, of course, the value. How is its value comparing to its cost? So, of course, uh, the rods that retail for you know 1200 bucks are going to cast well now. Generally speaking, they're going to cast well. They might not fit your casting stroke. And so the $800 might be the better choice for you. And for some people, that that blows their mind. You know, if $800 is good, $1,200 is better. Um, and there are some fly rod manufacturers where they price all their rods. You look at uh, Winston, for example, and they price all their rods generally right around the same place, but they're different uh, models and different uh, actions based upon the the series of rod they are. So you can still get a high-end rod, and let's, let's be real, $800 is a high-end rod, um, but it might not necessarily be the best value for you. So you might be looking at one of those comparison charts, and you might be saying, all right, I'm going to cut out every reel that is over $350 because I just don't want to spend that amount of money or I can't spend that amount of money. So within that context, is this worth the money? And I think that's another great thing that I like to communicate to people and that good reviews communicate. You know what? This reel or this rod or this pair of waders, this pair of boots or this other piece of gear has a few drawbacks, but for the cost, you can definitely live with it. Or a similar situation might be that it is not one of the major manufacturers. It doesn't have a huge infrastructure that every penny of the profits of that particular product has to go to support. And so it is a lower price point. And that lower price point shouldn't scare someone away. There is something in retail where a lower price to some people, to many people, actually uh, insinuates less value or, or, or less quality. Um, but in a competitive market, a smaller company, it, that's one of the ways that they can get a foothold is by coming in at a lower price point, but offering a equal or maybe even a superior product. And so that's something that is worth pointing out, the value. Similarly, you're going to find a product that is made in the United States, that is custom made, that uh, there's no corners that are cut, and it's going to have a higher price point. Uh, a good example of this of some products I've reviewed from, from this company, a number of them, is Vitavu. These bags and packs are not assembled overseas. They're not made using inferior components. They're made custom order and by hand in the United States. And so they're going to carry a cost that is commensurate with that. And so to be able to communicate those things in a review is important because if you're just line them up and list the specs and not have that detail in there, um, then a quote unquote objective 
uh, decision is not going to take into account that important information of why the cost is uh, the way it is. So value and cost is another uh, essential thing to have communicated and to pay attention to when you are reading a review. To a lesser extent, but also important, is to communicate, interview kind of the, the, the story, for lack of a better term, that the brand is trying to tell with a product. Um, to, to be able to communicate what is the, the impetus for this product coming out. Why did they see this as something that had to be made? Obviously, they want to make money. But as I've talked about before, most fly fishing companies, uh, th there's people who are really invested in wanting to make good gear and wanting to use good gear. And so why, why did this company feel like this rod, this shirt, this fly box, this pair of forceps, <laughs> why did this thing need to be made? And to be able to communicate that is a, a good part of the review. That way you don't look at it and say, okay, there's a thousand fly rods out there. Why are they making another fly rod? Okay, what's special about this one? And, you know, in a review, you might say it's a little bit silly, but this is this is why they thought they needed to make it. Or you might say, you know what? They have a point. It's worth paying attention to this product because this is a niche that needed to be filled. So, you know, the the brand vision, how the brand even sees you using it, how they see it fitting into uh, your your gear, that's worthwhile to communicate. And it's something that is is, I think, not necessary, but something that is important to pass along so that the the consumer has an idea of why that product exists uh, alongside the fact that a company is trying to make money. So those are the six things, the general performance, the scenario, and that one's huge, how you see yourself using it, the comparison with other products, uh, the empirical data that's tied to that product, the value of that product uh, uh, commensurate with its cost, and then a little bit of the story. So the next thing that I would say is once you've read all these reviews, once you've found multiple voices that talk about it, and you, you're able to find three or four and say, okay, they're they're more or less in line with one another, and I'm, I'm interested in this thing, go get your hands on the thing. Try to find a local fly shop. Uh, and once you do that, you get two things. One, you get to touch it and say, okay, they were saying it was a little bit heavier for its size. I can see what they're saying, but I also am not scared that it's it's so heavy that it's going to be a burden to carry this thing around with me, to cast with this in my hand. Um, you, you're able to kind of have that hands-on uh, experience. Not the same as having it on the water, but you can now touch it. But then you also get to be face-to-face -face with somebody who is selling it. And this gives you opportunities to have interactions with that person and for them to say, okay, these might be your concerns about this particular piece of gear. Well, hold it in comparison to this one. Again, it's not the same as fishing with it, but this one's $200 more and it is lighter in your hand. This one's $200 less and it does feel a bit heavier. You know, here's your decision. You get to make your decision between these two things. And that is an, a, an invaluable thing that a fly shop employee can do. They might not be able to articulate it in the same way that a review does, but they are able to put the, both of those things in, in your hands. And they may very well be able to offer you some of those scenarios. We do see a lot of cu customers who are out in the surf using this one. Um, and we, we see people who are on the boat that might prefer this one because it's a little bit more bulky. Uh, we see a lot of guys who do pursue smallmouth using this piece of gear um, out on the rivers, and they really enjoy how the little bit more length allows them to do this or whatever. 
you know, they have that experience with where you live and they are able to, to bring that to bear as you are touching those things. And as you are trying to add that next level of, uh, of in being an informed consumer after reading reviews. So that's a lot of information when it comes to how I consider uh, a review as I go about writing it and as I go about reading it. One last thing that I've mentioned before on the podcast and the website that I didn't want to uh, bring up in this episode, uh, how someone gets gear when they review it. Now, I appreciate how there is a desire for transparency. How did you get a piece of gear? Are you only writing a good review of this product because it was given to you for free? And I can I can appreciate that. I think there is a value in it. I do not communicate how I get a piece of gear when I write a review. And here's why. Uh, I don't think that it has much of a bearing on how I review that product. I review products that I am given products that I am given, but that I have to return, products that I purchase at a deep discount, products that I purchase at a slight discount, products that I pay full price for, products that I paid full price for years and years and years ago, products that I bought at a discount years and years and years ago when I was working at a fly shop. All right. And all of those different products show up in my reviews on castingacross.com. My hope is that the integrity of my content speaks for itself, that I don't have to say, okay, you know, you have to assume some bias because I was given this product for free, or that you have to assume that I am being very critical of this product because I paid full price for it, because this company didn't think that Casting Across was worth sending something to for free. I want to simply take the gear that I get and write about it as honestly as possible. Now, I have gotten some gentle criticism uh, about this over the years, but more often than not, people appreciate that perspective. And it's not a hard and fast rule. Who knows? Maybe that'll change one day. But by and large, this is the way that I approach writing reviews. And again, hopefully the integrity of me, the integrity of casting across, and the way that I communicate information, both positive, neutral, and uh, sometimes some negative criticism, uh, it, it speaks for itself. So thoughts, questions, comments, now's the time to let me know. Matthew at castingacross.com. So uh, the first article that came out on casting across this week it's actually a review. It's a review of a reel. Now you can see why I've been thinking about this. Uh, Qualify Reels. It is their impact. So the, art the article is called Qualify Reels Big Game Impact. Now Qualify is a small reel manufacturer out of Colorado, and they have three lines of reels. Uh, they have some lighter trout reels. They have some more bulky trout reels. And then now they have uh, the Impact, which is their big game reel. It replaced uh, a line called the Carbon Tech uh, that they uh, have phased out and they have released the Impact. I fished with the 6.8 reel and it has been a blast. Uh, warm water fishing for big smallmouth bass and largemouth bass, as well as in the salt. And it is a great reel. And so let me actually put some things into practice that I was just talking about. Uh, here's a scenario for you. If you are fishing on a larger river or a larger lake for bass, this is a great reel that is going to not only handle hard fighting river smallmouth, uh, going to handle uh, the large, large mouth that you come into contact with, but it will 
gladly take on toothy fish and carp. It's going to excel in those circumstances. You're not going to feel like you don't have enough stopping power while you're using the impact. Similarly, if you are walking and wading the beach, and if you are fishing estuaries, you're fishing uh, tidal areas uh, that are that are uh, coastal, this is a great lightweight eight-weight reel for you. So this reel, because it is rated for six, seven, and eight-weight lines, is going to be a little bit smaller for an eight-weight, a little bit larger for a six-weight. So this is also a great reel for somebody who maybe wants to do both of those things with one reel, uh, maybe two spools of line, and uh, it, it's going to do really, really well for you because it has a super solid drag that tolerances are just spot on. The uh, designer has a back, uh, background in aerospace engineering, and it definitely shows. It's a great reel, uh, nice and light in hand, and again, just super solid. So uh, more information about the impact. You can kind of see what I've talked about today about reviews, see how that comes to bear in this review of this reel uh, over at castingacross.com. Wednesday's article was called Never Enough Small Trout. Never Enough Small Trout. And this is a reworking of an older article that appeared on Casting Across. And uh, it, it, I do this every once in a while. It's just a, an opportunity for me to see something I've written before and retool it, allow it to still be my voice, but change the way that I approach it slightly uh, because of where I am now or because of I, the way that I think that this material could be treated. So check out that article over at castingacross.com. This week's product recommendation is something I've reviewed a number of times, but I've actually just finished up my latest box of Angler's Coffee Dry Dropper Single Serve Fresh Brew Coffee Pouches. All right. So what are these? Uh, they look like tea bags, but they are not. They are a special little coffee pouch that you only have to steep for like 30 or 40 seconds. It's great for having on the river. Uh, I keep them in my desk when I'm just not feeling a K-cup. Um, they are fantastic. Uh, it is a incredibly high quality coffee for the format that you find it in. In fact, I would put it up against things that come out of most drip brewers. Uh, there's a very low standard for coffee these days. And I'm not saying that that's the only reason why you should uh, drink uh, these little coffee pouches from English coffee, but they are a great thing to carry on your person if you bring a jet boil on the stream. Uh, and uh, again, it's just a really high quality uh, product. So I will put a link to English coffee's uh, single serve fresh brew pouches over at this podcast show notes on castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Thank you.